Joshua chapter 1. I said last week we're going to start looking at spirit-filled life <clears throat> next few weeks. And so that's what we're going to start here this morning. Yeah, everybody wants to live a victorious life. Everybody wants to be successful. Uh, you know, the world wants to be successful. And uh, we as God's people ought to want or desire success or victory in our life. But it doesn't just happen. It happens on purpose. It has to have a purpose. Um, there needs to be a desire. So let's look at Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 to 9. It says, In every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever Thou goest. So I want to preach this morning. Victory is possible. That's the title of the message. Victory is possible. So let's look to the Lord in prayer and then we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Thank you, Father, that for the instructions and that you give us in your word. And Father, I pray that you you've not left us without direction, without leading, without the Spirit of God to guide and direct us and to indwell us, to, to lead us into all truth, and, Father, to con- control and direct in our lives. And, I, Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning to open our minds and our understandings so we might receive thy truth, help us to humble ourselves before you, and help us see our need of allowing the Spirit of God to have his will and his way, that we might have good success, that we might walk in victory in our, in our, in our Christian life. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For 40 years, the nation of Israel, of course, wandered in the wilderness, basically going in circles. Now, 1 Corinthians tells us that they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, they were all delivered from Egypt. But for 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness to all those of upward of, was it 20 years old? Four years old, upward, died. And it was their children that entered the promised land. And as we come here to Joshua chapter 1, they are now getting ready to cross over in the promised land. 
You know, Moses has died, Joshua has taken over, but God promises Joshua and the people that victory will be theirs. Will be theirs if they simply follow God's commands. Now, there will be battles to fight. The book of Joshua is about battles. It's about war. You know, a book that they say, and, and I can see that relation, that is the New Testament parallel Joshua, is Ephesians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against principal, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. The Christian life is a battle. Crossing the Jordan River does not speak of dying and going to heaven. Because there's battles in Canaan land to fight. We're not fighting battles when we get to heaven. Our battles are all over. But crossing that Jordan River is a picture of us, by faith, obeying and believing and following God's commands that we might have victory in this life. So victory, first of all, victory should be the goal of every Christian life. It's possible for God's children today to enjoy victory in their life. It should be, the, it should be our goal. But many times we, we see little victory. Why is that? Well, I hope we can address that and answer that question this morning. But I want to read a few verses as we think about this uh, from other places in the Bible that, that tell us that we should have victory. Uh, in Matthew 12, 20, the Bible says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Now he says when he giveth us the victory, he's talking about giving it us now, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Revelation 15, 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Romans eight thirty one. What shall we send, say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So there are many verses in the Bible that tell us that that give us the, the, the truth that we can or should have victory in our Christian life. And God promised the children of Israel that, if they would, that he would be with them as he entered the promise and conquered the promised land. He promised that he would give them victory. And we know that from reading the word of God, God kept his promise. They did go in and possess the land. And God has also given us the promise, as Christians, the promise of victory in the Christian life. You know, 1 John chapter 5 uses that word overcometh three times in two verses. Uh, you know, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
The Bible is clear that overcoming victory is what you and I ought to experience in our Christian life. To overcome means to prevail over, to be victorious over. The idea is to hold fast even in the face of death, even unto death. You know, that word overcometh is used eight times in the book of Revelation. In every church, in the book, in chapters 2 and 3, he uses that, one of the closing statements, he that overcometh, he that overcometh, he that overcometh. So what does it mean to have a victorious Christian life? Well, first of all, a person has to be saved. That's rather obvious. One has to have had a time in their life when they realized they couldn't save themselves, surrendered their, themselves their, their, and, and surrendered their will to the Lord, and called upon the Lord as their only hope of salvation. And that's not just a mental ascent. That's a, that's a surrender of the will. So they have to be saved. But where do we go? Where do, where do we go from here? You know, it seems like many of God's people don't live in victory. Well, I want to notice several things as we think about. First of all, the the, the that uh, victory should be the goal of every Christian life. Number one, there needs to be an entering into the promises of God. If you notice in John or here in Joshua chapter one verse three. Notice the wording. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now get the picture. They're camped against Jordan. On the other side of Jordan is Canaan land. Jordan is flooding its banks. And so God tells Joshua, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, it's future, I have given you. That is present. See, in the mind of God, it's already theirs. He says, I have given it you. As I said unto Moses. That's present tense. In other words, you, Joshua, you already have the title deed to that land. It belongs to you and the children of Israel. I have given it to you. See, we need to claim the promises of God's. We enter into that promises, act upon those promises. You know, suppose someone had a million dollars in the bank, yet they refused to use it but rather existed by eating out of trash cans. I used to say, that would be an awful way to live. That's really D-U-M dumb, you know. That is really... They could be eating like a king, but instead they live like a beggar. Afraid too often we live like that. We don't act upon the promises of God that God has already given. We don't enter into those promises. We have the word of God, which is full of the promises from God, but too often we don't take time to read it. And we don't know what those promises are. Or maybe we read those promises and we just don't believe them. Or maybe we don't feel like those promises belong to us. 
And so we'd rather eat out of garbage cans instead of entering into the promises of God. You know, if we really believe the promises of God, it would, it would transform our lives, the way we live. So there needs to be entering into the promises. We need to ex- experience the presence of God. If you notice again in, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, he says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So God doesn't just promise to give him everything he needed, but promised that he would always be with him. He would always be there for him. He would never leave him. And we have a, a verse very similar to this in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, where it says, He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So the victorious Christian life is not just entering into the promises of God, but experiencing God's presence. That means we need to understand that every moment of every day, every place we go, every situation we get into, we need to realize that we are not facing this situation alone. Or we do not go there alone. Sometimes I think it's because we go places God doesn't want us to go. But we don't go alone. If, if, you, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're a child of God, you have the Spirit of God that indwells you, and He goes with you. He is there, whether you acknowledge Him or not. We never go alone. We never enter into a problem alone. The Lord is always there with us. And one of the things that we need to understand and, and bring our minds into Consideration of is that God is always with us. He never leaves us. And be conscious of his presence. You know, when, when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, you experience God's presence moment by moment. Day by day. He will take charge of your life. He will bring you into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Christ will not just be a name or a doctrine, but will be a person you are experienced moment by moment fellowship with. You know, God's promise was to Joshua, as you enter the promise, that not only am I going to give you the promises, but I'm going to go with you every step of the way. And so we need to experience the presence of God. Now, there are times. There were times. As we, if you read through the book of Joshua, there were times that it seems that God didn't go with them. They got defeated at Ai. But that doesn't mean God wasn't there. It just meant they weren't taking advantage of the promises and they weren't experiencing his, his presence because they had sinned against him. You know, have you ever been with your wife? Or maybe wives, maybe you've been with your husbands. You know, I'd be better to say it this way, you know, be honest with myself. My wife's with me and she, feels, she may feel like that I'm there but I'm not really there. 
I heard this once, at least in my life. Yeah, I, I know I'm talking, but you're not really listening to me. <laughs> Something like that, you know. Uh, you know, God is always there, but we don't always acknowledge or yield to his presence. We've tuned him out. We've tuned him out. You know, my wife can be talking to me, and I'm in my own little world, lost in my own little thoughts that are more important, you know. Yeah. No. So, we need to acknowledge the presence of the Spirit of God and not tune Him out. What did you notice a third thing here? We need to be exercising the power of God. Notice in verse 5 again. Notice this phrase. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, and I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now, Joshua knew firsthand from experience what kind of men were in Canaan land. Remember, he was one of the 12 spies that went in and spied out the land. And they came back with this report. You know, Joshua and Caleb, of course, gave a good report of the land. And the other ten gave an evil report of the land. And one of the things they said was, there are giants in there. And God is telling Joshua, look, no man, I don't care how big he is, I don't care how strong he is, no man is going to be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. No man. I, and here's the key, I will not fail thee. I will not fail thee. He didn't say, thou wilt not fail. He said, I will not fail thee. As long as you follow me, as long as you obey me, as long as you believe in me, I will not fail thee. You see, we need to exercise the power of God. We need to claim those promises. We need to experience His presence. And then we need to exercise ourselves in the power of God. Uh, you know, by bring, to bring glory and honor to Him. Showing people that our God is real. By a changed life. Now, as I was thinking about this power, I want to notice three, three things about this power of God. First of all, there is reigning power. In Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, Romans 5, 17, the Bible says this, For by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, notice it says, death reigned by one. By one man's offense, death reigned by one. So, you should think about the lost. It's a picture of lost man here. And, and death reigns in his life. Death reigns. They, you know, they're, they're walking and talking today and living and breathing, but death is reigning in their life as they are living. Sin and all that 
the world offers is in charge of the life. You know, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, or 2, 1 and 2 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, who walked according to the course of this world. In other words, the world, sin, is reigning in their life. That's what we did. Death reigned. Death had its way. Sin had its way in our lives. But there's a contrasting phrase, but it says, shall reign in life by Christ Jesus. This speaks, of course, of the Christian who has the power of Christ operating in their life. The, you know, the word reigning means to control. You know, a Christian no longer is under the power of death, which leads down to the road of destruction, but now he has the power of Christ that is operative in his life. Reigning and controlling your life. If Christ is in charge of your life, he's reigning. He is the Lord. You know, we should desire God to be in charge or to reign in our life. But the only way that's possible is if we're, we're well saved and surrendered or submitted to so he can have charge. You know, one of the things that God told Joshua, in fact, in Joshua chapter 5, go over there for a minute, Joshua chapter 5, you know, when they're, when they're, when they're camped against Jericho, and they're going to conquer it in chapter 6, they're encamped against Jericho, and I, I have to wonder, you know, I'm just kind of, kind of imagining things here, that, you know, Joshua's out there looking at the, at the Jordan River, and, he's, and, and, you know, they've crossed it now, and so, you know, that was one big gospel. But now he's looking at Jericho. It's all shut up. You know, it's a high-walled city. And, you know, and, and uh, in fact, uh, 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 geological, or, um, yeah, I can't remember, can't think of the word. Uh, guys that dig up, archaeologists believe there was a wall inside the wall at Jericho. So it was a heavily, fort- it, was, it was an impregnable fortress. So I think maybe Joshua was just out there walking around one day looking at, hmm, I wonder what is the best strategy to take this place. And, he's, and I believe he's talking to the Lord about it. Lord, I don't know how we're going to get in there. You know, we, we, we had a problem with, with the Jordan River, but Lord, you divide the Jordan. You stopped the waters for us, and we came across there. But now how are we going to take this city? And the Lord appears to him. In verse 13, it says, It came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, they lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Lose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground, and Joshua did so. And, and, now, and then he gives him, in, in ver, chapter 6, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, notice the word Lord there is all caps. This is a pre-incarnation appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jehovah of God. And he gives Joshua instructions how to take Jericho. And you know what? Joshua took follow those instructions. You see, Christ, the Lord, had charge of Joshua's life. He was reigning in his life. But there's also what we call resurrection power. 
in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, Paul here is praying for the church at Ephesus, and he says this, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So, you know, th- this here, of course, is talking about the, the power that it took that brought Christ from the dead. You know, how much power did it take? What kind of power did it take? Electrical power? Human power? Genius power? Well, none of those work. It doesn't matter how much, how strong, or how wonderful, or how power, or how brilliant you or I may be, we can't bring somebody back from the dead. We can't make life. Your scientists have been trying to make life. They can't do it. We can't even bring somebody back from the dead. But Jesus is resurrected from the dead to die no more. But Paul was praying that the, these Christians at Ephesus would have this kind of power, the power that brought Jesus back from the dead, have this kind of power working and operating in their daily life. Power that is able to overcome sin. There's a third. There's a released power. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. says, To whom would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that he may, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Wherefore, whereunto I also labor, striving according, notice, to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Now, notice I want you to notice that word working and worketh. That word working or work, that worketh in us, Ephesians 2, the, 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 the phrase there, that spirit that worketh in us, talking about before we are saved, that word worketh is energo, or energy. And Paul said that he labored, striving according to his energy. It was God's energy. It was God's power that was released in and through his life. Uh, you know, it was evident in his preaching, his teaching, his labors, and all that he did. In fact, he wrote to the church at Corinth, the first Corinthians chapter two and verse four, and he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. You see, my words don't mean much. There's not a lot of power. There's not power in my words. But there is power in the word of God. I can never save a lost man. You can never save a lost man. But you can give him. You can be the instrument through which the energy of God works. Through which his power is manifest to bring the gospel to a lost soul that can change his life, can transform his life. So we see these three kinds of power that work together. When the Lord saves us, 
he doesn't just leave us to be controlled by our sin, but he, gives, he puts that reigning power of God in your life to be in charge in your life. He gives us rex, resurrection power so that it will be able to expel sin out of our life and so we can live a holy life. And there is release power. That's power that's available and usable to help in living the Christian life and being a witness for others. The energy. Where did Paul get his energy? got it from the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 12, he talked about that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we ought to be experiencing and exercising the power of God in our lives. Don't you notice, secondly, victory is a gift to the Christian. Go back to to go back to Joshua chapter 1 again, in verse 3, and it says, In every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now again, when God gave that promise to Joshua, he was still standing on the east side of the Jordan River. They still had to cross the Jordan River and run the enemy out of the land. And yet God says, I have given you the land to you. From God's Viewpoint, it was already accomplished. And victory is a gift of God to us. It is an accomplished victory to us. It's already, as far as God's viewpoint, it's already accomplished. We just have to claim it. Now, we, you know, from time to time, we wrestle with things, pride, lust, anger, besetting sins. Now, I'm afraid that sometimes we still get tired of battling against certain sins. We just adopt philosophy. Well, everybody has their besetting sins, so we must not have mine. That's to live defeated. In fact, that's kind of what that one preacher said I was watching this week. President of the Southern Baptist Convention, he kind of gave that impression that, you know, you know God, I think he, he, he said God kind of allows some people, uh, doesn't give victories over some people's lives to keep them humble. So they continue to live in sin? That's, that's, that's not Bible. And we never find Paul excusing his sin in the word of God. God expects us to look at sin like he does and desire that we get it out of our life. So this victory is accomplished. It is, secondly, that this victory is available. But how do you get victory over sin? Well, again, verse 3 says, Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. You can't get it in your own power. You have to get it in the power of God. He's provided it for us. The children of Israel had to go in and possess the land. Notice uh, verse 9. I'm sorry, verse uh, 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for in three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God hath given you to possess it. So God had already provided the victory. 
But the children of Israel couldn't just stand there on the other side in Jordan and say, you know, they could have said, well, those Canaanites are still over there. They still have wall cities. They still have spears. They still have bows. They have rocket catapults. They have all this. They're still mighty, mightier than us. And instead, they, they believed what God said and got ready to cross. You see, you have to believe the promises of God and you rest in the promises of God. God said it is ours, so it must be ours because God never lies. But this victory, thirdly, must be accepted. So it's accomplished, it's already accomplished by God. It's already made available to us by God, but this must be accepted by us. God says, I have given it to you. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, I have given unto you. But they had to cross Jordan River to make it theirs. And again, verse 11 says, Pass through the hosts and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall, notice, ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord their God giveth you to possess it. You have to go in to possess it. So, why don't we have victory? Is it simply because we don't go and get it? It's there. It's offered. It's free. All you have to do is get up and go get it. Now, for them to get it required effort. You know, I'm afraid that the reason many times we don't have victory is we just really don't believe God can give it to us. You know, the Israelites could have stood on the other side of Jordan and said, well, you know, like their previous generation said, we be not able. And really the reality is they were saying, God is not able to give it to us. Well, I just can't get victory over this. What you're really saying is, God is not able to give me victory in this. You see, victory can be gained. And this is the third point. Victory can be gained by the Christian. And, but it is gained by, number one, by faith. By faith. Again, 1 John 5, 4 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh our world, even our faith. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. You see, here in Joshua chapter 1, God gives this instruction or this challenge to Joshua, and then Joshua says to the people, command the people, saying, prepare you victuals, get ready, because we're going all across this Jordan River. We're going to cross it. We're going in. We're going to go in there and possess that land that God has given to us. So get prepared. 
we're going. We have to believe what God has said. Your faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we have to choose to believe what God has said. That's faith. Secondly, we need to follow. We need to follow. Verse, chapter 1, verse 7 says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So, we are to observe to do all that he commands us. Not to turn to the right, nor to the left. We are to follow him. You know, God instructed Joshua to be strong and courageous, to very carefully follow what he had told him. And he would give them the land. You remember... In Joshua chapter 14, Caleb comes to Joshua. And he says, do you remember, Caleb, Joshua, all that Moses told us, the Lord told Moses about us? When you and I went into the land, spied out, and came back with that good report, you remember what he told us? He said, I will surely give thee this land. And he said, now God has kept me alive these 40 and 5 years. And he, he has made that promise a reality to me. And he said, he said, here's the reason why. Because I wholly followed the Lord my God. See, we have to follow him. You know, God tells us in the world to do a lot of things in our Christian life. Well, we could sit back and argue with God or try to come up with our own plan. Many times we have to make judgments. And a wise person believes what God says and follows him no matter what. He doesn't follow his feelings. He follows the word of God. But we'll never have victory if we don't follow God's instructions. If you like to do your own thing, make up your own rules, try to run your own life, you're going to find your life defeated. You know, I could give you ways or instructions on how to, how to read your Bible or you know, how to have devotions or, or how to do this, but if you don't do it, it'll do you no good. No, we need to obey what God has told us. You know, sometimes we say, well, I just need to pray about that. You know, there's some things we don't need to pray about. Why? Well, I need to pray about whether I witness that. No, you don't need to pray about that. We're commanded to do that. A, a, a newborn Christian doesn't need to pray about whether they need to get baptized. They just need to do it. It's already commanded. You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible that we are commanded to do. We don't need to pray about it. We just need to do it. We just need to obey. You know, suppose you told your son, your child, your son, let's say, to take out the trash. And ten minutes later, he hasn't done it. 
But he tells you he's just waiting until he feels like the command, he feels like the command you really gave him is really for him. Hmm. I wonder how that would go down. You know, what would your reaction be? You'd probably give him a feeling that it was for him. I'm afraid sometimes that's how God has to get our attention. So faith, following, and then the third thing, fighting. Fighting. Verse 11 again says, Pass through the hosts and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Now, in order to possess that land, what were they going to have to do? They were going to have to run out the Canaanites. They're going to have to fight. You know, the Christian life is not easy. It's not all easy and kind of just floating through life, peaceful and wonderful, without challenges. No, there are battles. There are going to be battles. No matter what, what, what you choose in life. If you're lost, you choose to go the way of the world. You will fight the battles which you will lose because the enemy is stronger than you. And unfortunately, the, the greatest battle you're going to lose is your soul and spend eternity in hell. But as a Christian, as a child of God, we have the guarantee that God is with us through the battles of life. He will walk with, and if we will walk with him, follow him, believe him, he will give us the victory in those battles. But we have to fight for him. There are going to be battles. There are going to be people who misunderstand you, going to people who will take pot shots and try to destroy you. There are going to be people who don't like your Christianity, and try to make your life miserable. And there are even going to be other Christians who are going to be difficult to deal with. But God can give you the victory if we learn that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our, our fight is not with people. Our battle really is with principalities and powers. Satanic, there will be... Satanic attacks against us. He is out to destroy us. But we, can, we can't defeat him in our own strength. But if we are saved and you face battles which only the power of God can give you victory, that is why we need to be submitted to him. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. The faith. You know, we have to fight against the world. We have to fight against our flesh. We have to fight against the devil. It's a fight. But God has made it possible for us, for us to have victory in our Christian life. He's promised us his presence. He's promised us his power. We just simply need to believe him by faith, follow him, and be willing to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil, the battles of life. But we must not fight in our own power. We fight the devil by submitting to God.
James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, is victory your goal? Are you saved? It requires that we follow by faith his word and obey his commands. And he has promised us the victory. It's available. It's already accomplished. We just need to accept it. Claim it. Act on it. Go forward with it.